Coming up with the offseason ahead for the Brooklyn Nets, how upset should Nets fans be with Sean Marks and the execution or lack thereof around the trade deadline? We dive into it all next. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ah, yes, my friends. It is the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets. Every single day over there, you're going to find Doug Norrie, owner-operator of DFSR for all your daily fantasy sports rankings from DraftKings to FanDuel. He's got you covered. I'm Adam Armbrecht breaking down the New York football giants on the One Giant podcast and your New Jersey Devils on the Devils Puck Luck podcast. We thank you for making us your first listen of the day. We're free on all those great platforms and let you know that you can download the Game Time app, create an account, and use promo code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. And Doug, boy, we have never had to say, what will we discuss in the offseason for the Brooklyn Nets? Because as soon as they were swept out by the Philadelphia 76ers, we start to get some more information around a lot of decisions throughout this season. Michael Scotto from Hoops Hype breaking down what could have been around the deadline. Yeah, look, there's no other way to but feel kind of weirdly disappointed. I mean, obviously we're coming off a sweep, so that's already going to get uh, folks a little in their feels around you know how the season ended. And I, I'm I'm right there with them. I it's a it's a crappy way to go out uh, to end the season. And then you know honestly because the way the the news cycle for the NBA just kind of never stops. Thankfully, I, it's, it's there's always something to talk about. We we get word that there's was probably some other machinations that Sean Marks and the Nets could have pulled around the trade deadline that would have you know significantly altered this season, though through the scope of what happened here to end the season, it's really hard to not go back and look at these these possible moves and, and really think about how head-scratching they are to not have pulled them off. So we'll go through each one of them individually or you know, sort of the scope of it from, from Mike, and who does a great job from Hoops Hype, uh, one of the better guys reporting on the Nets, honestly, um, from an insider standpoint. But, I mean, you can if you want to go through it here, I, or I can too, it's like I, I had trouble reading this. I, like when I, when I read this, that this was a possibility for this team, I'm going to let you say it cause I'm already too annoyed, but the, um, I was like, Oh my God, like what were they doing here? <laughs> and so it, yeah, I, yeah, go ahead. It is interesting, right? So we'll, we'll break down the, the scenarios around this is Mikhail Bridges, also Dorian Finney Smith and also Royce O'Neal. That's what's covered here inside of this article. And as we move through it, there, there's, there's reasons why maybe it doesn't have to look as egregious as it does. I'm having a hard time finding that silver lining in this moment. The first part of it was, that Mikhail Bridges, and we knew this, Mikhail Bridges, yeah. four first-round picks were offered. We get the specifics here. It was the Memphis Grizzlies. You think about that, makes a lot of sense for Memphis from that standpoint and what they wanted to accomplish. So we get a name for that team. I think you and I are both okay with that because even at the lower ceiling when we were getting Mikhail, we both said, you need to keep this. You pointed it out. It's the Phoenix trade. It's the Kevin Durant trade. This is a cornerstone piece that you're selling your fan base on, and we're fine moving forward with him. Here's where it gets juicy, my friend. It's the first one from the uh, Dallas trade for Kyrie Irving. Dorian Finney-Smith. Now, no teams are mentioned here specifically, but Michael Scotto reported two first-round picks were being offered to Sean Marks in the Brooklyn Nets on a pass-through trade for Dorian Finney-Smith. Pause, end of sentence. When you heard that, 
how egregious did it feel that Dorian Finney-Smith ended up on this roster for the remainder of the season? I mean, it's like mind-boggling that they didn't do it. I, like if this, it's if this is true, and I want to say even if it was one first-round pick, honestly, sure. Like for for like the future of your team and what you're trying to build, and the second you trade Kyrie Irving and, and Kevin Durant away, you're building for the future. Uh, the only thing I can think of with this, with the DFS piece of it, is that like the timing got weird and they still weren't sure they were trading KD. Like, you know, those first round picks as a pass through. Remember, the Kyrie thing happened and then it wasn't right away that KD gets traded, right? It's a few days later. So right. I guess under that circumstance is like the one circumstance around this where I would say, okay, you're off the hook because um, – if they still thought they were needed wing depth around KD and they still wanted to give this a go and they weren't going to trade him, that's about the only scenario that I can see that where this isn't an egregious mistake to not to pass. Because after that, you kind of have to know where this team is going to land. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's hard to imagine a market getting stronger than first two round two first round picks for Dorian Finney Smith, even factoring in like a great performance just knowing like what you need as your team building going forward. And there's a couple other pieces I find interesting that are not reported here that we're going to speculate on and here in a little bit, but yes. um, with, with Dorian Finney Smith specifically, look, two, two things you have to fact these first round picks, we're not going to be like lottery picks. These are like good teams that are trying to win the championship. So like the first round picks are going to be like in the twenties, right? Yeah. Uh, just, just like, that's just what it is. It's like that the, there's, you know, the Houston Rockets weren't coming through and looking to exchange a pick back <laughs> for DFS. But, if you know that you're entering a quasi mini rebuild here because you're sh- shipping these guys out to not execute a trade like this, I, I find to be really, really, really rough. I, like, and I don't know, it's like easy to start seeing, like they have to start reclawing back more draft capital. If they could have done it through, through getting younger through the draft this way, I think this would have, should have seemed like a no brainer. Like it's, it's, it's terrible to me that this could have been the case. And we're going to talk about Royce O'Neal coming up here in a minute. But on the Dorian Finney-Smith front, like this is where you can look at it from both sides. What could you have accomplished if you chose to move off from him and just get some draft capital for the future? Assume that the Kyrie Irving trade goes down and you think you can still keep Kevin Durant here uh, you know, as a part of this team. And that's maybe what gave you pause around Dorian Finney-Smith. I'll go back to the well here and say... If you pass through Dorian Finney-Smith to somewhere else and you keep looking at it as being Yuta Watanabe, you know, playing a role inside of this team, it's not hard to squint and feel like the drop-off is not significant enough to warrant the idea of keeping Dorian Finney-Smith and foregoing replenishing some of these holes here, which will also just recalibrate at the back end of this episode in the third segment. Where's the draft capital and what are the holes they could have filled in? That's a tricky one for me. Maybe you want to say, to your point, If you didn't know for sure that the time was also up on Kevin Durant, the team-friendly nature of Dorian Finney-Smith's contract does help you if you think you're still going to have Kevin Durant around, and it all just comes down to being too close to the wire. You can't manage it. None of this means that you can't still trade Dorian Finney-Smith this offseason, but you said it. It's hard to think it's going to be the same value, and you're now thinking about trying to sell another team on Dorian Finney-Smith's value, who frankly – didn't necessarily light the world on fire after the trade, right? His value was higher in his performance with the Dallas Mavericks than it was with the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, it's really hard to imagine. It, honestly, it was, would have been a lot of scenarios would have been hard to imagine the value going up more, I think. Yeah. But like, uh, I don't think that that's happened in since the trade, uh, even in the slightest. So 
there it's an interesting situation. If this is, you know, I have to believe that this was, you know, it, even if it's partially true or all the way true, I, Mike's a good reporter. So I, I'm just going to assume it's true, right? Like it, it's, he's a, Michael's a, a really, um, really well-respected guy and really dialed in. So operating under that assumption, like there's just nothing else you can say about it, except feeling like, Oh, and, and, and the second you start looking through the lens of how the season actually ended, <laughs> like yeah. then it gets, it gets even more difficult to look back on it. We're going to break down uh, possible other trades that could have come through here, the spiraling effects of not doing some of these deals and what it meant for the nets. And also talk about the name that oh, we'll tease a little bit, the name that's on everyone's uh, the tip of everyone's trade tongue before here in a second. First, going to tell you about our friends over at Game Time. If you're stressed out trying to buy tickets, you have to go and check out Game Time. This should be fun. Look, going to these games, getting tickets, knowing that you're going to show up at the stadium, it should be fun, not stressful. Game Time has figured that out. They have flash deals. They have last-minute tickets. It's really easy to buy and find tickets for the events that you want. Um, you're going to get images of your seat views. You're going to get all these killer deals, really, with the best price guarantee. So you can stop stressing out about it right now if you head over to Game Time. They have stuff going for uh, this the Mets series against the Nationals. So we're in baseball mode here a little bit, right? Like, you know, no more, no more Nets, no more Nets tickets to buy. But that's all right, Mets tickets. You can get, you can start in the door at a dollar over at the Game Time app for some of these Nets tickets. So you have to go check out Game Time. Dot co forget planning months in advance game time is deals on tickets right up to the day of the event get exclusive flash deals and tickets basketball baseball concerts comedy theater and more you go to you download the game time app you create an account and use the code locked on mba for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply again create an account redeem the code locked on mba for twenty dollars off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed and when you are done with that what go the ahead. head over to our friends on FanDuel? You, you actually put them together because then you get the tickets and then you go over to FanDuel to get a little scratch in the game right now over at FanDuel, who's America's number one sportsbook, by the way. You get in the MLB action. New customers are going to step up to the plate over on FanDuel and get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. You go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. You place your first bet, get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win. With baseball, like I said before, with the game time thing here with baseball, it's awesome because you go, you know, judge to get a home run. Like they have, they get it really, really kind of granular over here on, on FanDuel in a way that you're really not going to find anywhere else. All the different props, all the different stuff, strikeouts, home runs, double singles, stolen bases. It's all up there for you over at our friends and FanDuel. Don't miss your chance to get a no sweat first bet up to a thousand dollars. When you go to FanDuel today, go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel, the official partner of Major League Baseball. Okay, so before we dive in on the Royce O'Neal angle of it all at the trade deadline, reminder, as Doug mentioned there, coming up on tomorrow's episode, if you think that we're living under a rock and we're not aware that Dame Lillard is being talked about hot and heavy coming potentially to the Brooklyn Nets and what that could mean as it ties back into this draft capital, don't worry, we got you covered. So be sure to tune in for our Thursday episode. We're going to be, oh, Wednesday episode. My goodness, get on the Wednesday action so you hear all about that. And whether or not, Doug, what the Nets did not do, what Sean Marks did not do at the deadline could impact their ability to make a trade like that. The second piece that gets mentioned here, and then I actually want to mention a, a quote that was brought in there by Scotto from an NBA executive regarding the Brooklyn Nets, which you could maybe count as a positive. Royce O'Neal, once upon a time, the Nets traded a first-round pick in the offseason coming in, and we thought, well, that's going to be a head-scratcher given that Kevin Durant requested a trade almost immediately after. The Nets had a chance. 
to again pivot off of Royce O'Neal for a first round pick and wipe that slate clean. Where does this stack up in the hierarchy of Dorian Finney-Smith and Royce O'Neal? You mentioned there in the last segment, we do have the, the, the benefit of looking back on it. Royce O'Neal played phenomenally for the Nets. He adapted himself. He served a different role. But there is this trickle-down impact of having him on the roster, not just for the future, but even in the short term and maybe other players that could have gotten some run. Yeah, this one's also tough to look at. <laughs> not as bad as the two. <laughs> not, not not as bad as the two, like for sure. The two the yeah. two picks um, I, is going to, again, I'm not going to be able to unsee that one. I, like That one is a real, real rough circumstance. With Royce, it, this has nothing to do with him. He was great. He was more than you thought he was going to be when they got him. I, I, they gave up at first. I think it was a little, like you said before, it was a little head scratching at the time with the timing of it and mm-hmm. Katie, the trade stuff. And, and, you know, he, but, but in terms of like what he gave you as a, a rooting for the Brooklyn Nets, like there's nothing to complain about. The guy was everything and more. He played so many different roles. He went to the bench like after the trade deadline, after starting the whole season, never said a word. I mean, I, someone joked to me on Twitter about this, about like, should you get bonus points for that? I'm like, no, but no one does this. <laughs> so like you kind of get bonus <laughs> points. <laughs> like you kind of get bonus points for being a good team teammate. Unfortunately, he was great. Now, that being said, what's very clear is that with this, this thing coupled onto the, the Dorian Finney Smith piece and another deal that they potentially didn't do uh, also uh, of someone else on the team that we were scr- head scratching about at the time is that there was maybe a fundamental misunderstanding of like what their goals were, right. Or like what the organizational goals are, because it seemed like even after KD, the goals were like, Hey, we're still going to make the playoffs. Now, we talked about this at the time and said, once we were through the trade deadline with this group of guys, I do think that made sense at the time. I think it was going to be sort of tough to like tank it with these things. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the hard part to hear though, is that if there's offers on the table, like a first round pick for Royce O'Neal, they probably had more of an opportunity to head into tankville, right? By just jettisoning some of these veteran players, three first round picks and possibly like a lot in, into the lottery is how this could have shaken out. Yeah. When you add the Royce thing in there, I don't know, man, it's tough. Like, and again, once you see how the season ended too, it's really tough. Like there's a world where it's three first round picks and maybe some fun lottery odds here. And this off season looks even, and the future looks even different for them. That's, and it would not affect a guy like bridges or anybody else. Well, and so that's what's interesting, right? So before, because we'll talk a little bit about what could have been in terms of the capital and also looking at their record, because I haven't extrapolated out the post-trade version of the Brooklyn Nets and where they would have stacked up in terms of NBA standings. Now, the only thing I'll say, is it's, it's the Mikhail Bridges piece of it, right? Because that's the thing, we're, we're moving beyond that. The idea that, oh, maybe they should have done that. I wouldn't have done it at the time. I definitely wouldn't have done it now looking back over how he played. I guess there is. Well, well, hold on. I want to. I want to say one thing. I want to just clarify. Make sure we're talking about the same thing here. I'm not saying they should have traded McHale. I'm just saying that maybe he that he wouldn't have become a superstar or whatever. Right. Like that's all I meant. So, so my yeah, and this would be the not not the argument, right? It's just, but if you're looking at it from both sides, the case could be made. Dorian Finney-Smith, that, and we talked about this after the trades where all, all the dust was settled. Dorian Finney-Smith has NBA playoff experience with the Dallas Mavericks, as does Spencer Dinwiddie, as does Cam Johnson coming over from Phoenix as does a guy like Royce O'Neal. So if we all assume that Mikhail Bridges wasn't going anywhere and neither was Cam Johnson, then keeping the veteran guys around them that gives you the best chance to be competitive and put a good foot forward and say, Mikhail, you're not coming to a lottery team that we have a long ways to go here. You're coming to a team that's ready to compete now and going forward. 
Fans could say, what difference does it make? Mikael Bridges is under contract. You don't have to convince him of anything once you've made the trade for him. But I do think that that can matter. That can move the needle marginally. My biggest debate, at least from that standpoint, is what was this team going to, what did they finish as with Dorian Finney-Smith, with Royce O'Neal, one of, if both of them, as opposed to the other direction they could have gone, which I mentioned in the first segment. Yuta Watanabe would have kept playing. He was playing a lot of minutes. We saw him regressing to his means, certainly, but he had been serviceable. Could you have gone out and made a marginal move inside of those pass-through trades? A couple of picks, maybe another low-level veteran on an expiring contract that can be serviceable down the stretch here. I, you can paint the picture where you're already doing a lot of turnover and you don't just want to be kind of throwing things all over the place here. We know for sure that it looks like Sean Marks either didn't have the time to reevaluate what they wanted to accomplish and just said, let's push pause and we'll reevaluate going forward. It's okay to say that as long as we don't turn around over the next couple of months and find out that you took 50 cents on the dollar for real value trades that existed. And that's the kind of foresight you have to have as an NBA GM. What damage am I doing short term here for Mikhail Bridges and his experience over the last 30 games? And what am I doing going forward in our ability to surround that player with talent beyond this season? Yeah, and the and the ugly truth of the situation is and is that a team like the Nets in the space that they are, where there there's no way you trade Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and become a championship contender. It's like physically exactly. impossible, right? Like at that point, take this with the spirits it intended. You'll never regret trading Dorian Finney Smith or Royce O'Neal for a first round pick ever. <laughs> because like, yeah. there's no, there's You'll no, never there's no way you will. Oh no. Yeah. No, there's no way. There's no way. Like they're never, because first of all, they're never going to go to another team and become a superstar. Right. So you're never going to have like that, like sort of like what's happening with Phoenix. It's not going to really happen because it's KD, but like sort of like the, the Mikhail Bridges thing coming from Phoenix. It's like, Whoa, that was a lot more yeah. than we thought he was like, that will never happen with these guys. So just on like a mental and emotional level, like that will never happen with Dorian Finney Smith and Royce O'Neal. Two, when you couple in their age and the money and the, the team trajectory yeah. and all this other stuff, there's just no way you're going to look back with regret on that. Like, there's the, or, or you'll be so many years down the line to even realize it because it's going to be like, hey, here's who they got with those picks. Here's who they got. Like, here's, hey, we're developing some young guys. Or, unfortunately, which the Nets, and we'll talk about this more tomorrow, is the stable is so dry here with, inter or, or the stable is so like unpopulated with picks is that like, they just need picks. <laughs> like they, they just need them. Like they don't have enough. So I don't know, man. I, it's just, it's, it's interesting. It, there's just no way you, there's no way you to regret it. There's no way they to regret it. No, I a thousand percent agree. You'd never look back or regret that with, with either one of these players and coming up here in a second, we'll reiterate where the Nets stand from a draft capital standpoint. And I'll also give some examples of why maybe not making those trades in the moments will not be looked at as negatively once we get through the draft this upcoming offseason. All right, before we get into that, I'll tell you about our friends over at Prize Picks. Look, right now, there's a million dollar daily Superflex promotion going on at Prize Picks because every day of the NBA Finals, one Prize Pick user is going to get a chance at becoming a millionaire. One entry placed after 8 a.m. will be randomly selected each day of the finals. Whoever placed that entry will be given a six pick flex with the following payouts six picks one million dollars correct and then you go five picks correct eighty thousand dollars for sixteen thousand dollars you see what's happening over here a prize picks prize picks is daily fantasy made easy you're over on prize picks you're making entries uh you're going more or less in the player projections 
points, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks. It's all there for you. That's just basketball. They got all the other sports over there as well. You do that, you can win up to 25 times your money, or like I said, become may possibly become a millionaire over with the NBA Finals. You're not competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. Download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up to play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. Don't forget to enter promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. Price picks is daily fantasy made easy. Okay, so again, reminding you one more time here Wednesday's show is going to be all about Dame Lillard and what could be happening this offseason and whether or not Sean Marks has handcuffed the organization's ability to go and land a star like that. A lot of factors, including, yes, Ben Simmons and his contract. How could it not be? So be sure that you're tuned in for that. When it comes back then to the moves that could have been made, so the first thing that I went and looked at, and you have to take it with a grain of salt, the final game of the season against Philadelphia, everyone got sat, but they were 13 and 15 over their final 28 games. If you extrapolate that out and go look at the Eastern standings, they were going to be somewhere well above the Indiana Pacers, a 38-win team on 13 and 15 record, and maybe up towards that 10th spot. Now, that's with keeping Royce O'Neal, keeping Dorian Finney-Smith. I'll ask you just quickly on this before we talk about where their capital is and some of these examples of, of how they can still make some moves here. How much different do you think the record would have been if it had been Yuta Watanabe and arguably Edmund Sumner, maybe some more Cam Thomas, right? Even though we know it's a different role for Royce O'Neal, but if we just treat it as he was the pseudo point guard for the second unit, that's essentially what you could have been looking at for this team over the back half of the season. Do you think it would have been uh, drastically different for this team without Dorian and without Royce? Okay, so with okay, so the answer to this is yes, but the, really the answer is more, is less about like, and I know what you're asking. You're like, you know, would they would they still have competed? I, at that point, do I think there's like a huge difference between like Yudawa and Nabi? I mean, there's definitely a difference. Those guys are better. I like you're, I think you give yourself more of a chance of winning with Dorian Finney Smith and Royce O'Neill than like what the Nets had. I, I think for me, so I think that yes, the record would have been worse. There's a chance they would have headed to the lottery. They honestly, this season's like two more weeks long. They probably, it's getting pretty close. I mean, that's like where the right It's like they just kind of got saved by the clock more than anything else. Uh, if they had had two more weeks of just even this team the way they were playing, they were basically a below 500 team. Like, you know what I mean? Like it was just, they kind of got oh, saved. I, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know how far back I would push on that. I would push far enough to say like they went through really bad ebbs and flows. It's like lose five out of seven, win five out of seven. So I don't know if they were any worse than essentially what they played okay. to like two more weeks. Maybe they end up being, and it doesn't matter. I know, but yeah. Because really the second point is this though. The main point is this, the, our whole thing with the nets tanking or not tanking, or at least mine was that like during the season it was like, Hey, it's gonna be hard with this group. We got some veteran guys here. They're not going to want to do this. Like they're, it's like, they got traded. Right. They're going to be super unhappy. It's going to suck. Tanking is more of a state of mind. It's like less about personnel. Like the, once you start jettisoning the guys who like, will care about this stuff and like our veterans and you got to play them a lot of minutes and you kind of made internal sort of organizational promises to them. It gets yeah. a lot easier. The fewer of these guys you have. So like, once these guys are gone and it's just like bridges and you sell them on, Hey, you're the face of the franchise, but here's what we need to do to, to, to really rebuild around you. We got to yeah. get some draft picks back. We got to get younger. We got to get this draft pick this year, bring in some young guys. We're going to build around you. There's a, there's a, uh, 
a conversation that can be had that happens all the time. A lot. It happens around Dame Lillard two years in a row now, right? Where right. they that team is tanked <laughs> yeah. the ever living heck out of things with Lillard on the team. So there's a path to doing it. It becomes harder when that team is filled with veterans and older guys and whatever. When you start sending those guys out, and now the David Duke Juniors of the world are just starting to play more, and the Raekwon Grays are starting to play more because you're just like filling out rotational spots. It becomes a lot easier. So for me, it's about it's less about whether Yudawa Nabe provides more wins or less wins. It's more mm-hmm. about what you say as your marching orders for your your team. Because like, just look at the teams that tank. The Portland's the best example. Portland's like, hey, it's not happening. Dame, you're sitting. Jeremy Grant, you're sitting. Anthony Simons, don't come back. Yusuf Nurchik, you're done. Like they were just like those five guys are done. We got all these young guys. Hart, you're traded. Hart, you're gone. And it's and it's losing time, boys. You know, yeah. and like and they and and they did it. It's just easier. It's just easier to pull off when the group is of a certain ilk. Yeah, and it would have been easier. That's 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 my main point. Yeah, I hundred and I hundred percent agree with you because you just you you turn that over and then again and this would be the argument not the argument for but if you ask Sean Marks that would be his defense right we wanted to be competitive over the remainder of the season veteran talent etc so you can fundamentally make that choice but I remember at the time Doug almost he almost quit the podcast over this Seth Curry still being on this roster it, right this, so all of yes. a sudden you put this group of players together and you go listen. Could it have been four first-round picks, three first-round picks, some seconds, whatever it was going to be? As soon as it turned over from the deadline, you knew. These guys are going to play. Joe Harris is going to get minutes, which you could have sat him down for the back end of this season as well. Everybody around 30 or above would have sat down. And I'll make the case that if you believe in if you believed in Mikhail Bridges and believe in him, that while it would have been more difficult on a game-to-game basis, I think you would have been better off. Finding out, because I'll keep coming back to this, not only with Cam Thomas, that's the easy one to look at, but you mentioned DDJ. Do we think that he's an NBA-level contributor? Maybe, maybe not, but you would have preferred to have gotten 20-plus games of him down the stretch of the season to confirm or deny it. Maybe a little bit of Raekwon Gray. Maybe Yuta Watanabe, who's only 27-28, and wouldn't you know it, lines up much better on the Mikhail Bridges-Cam Johnson timeline, right? Like, those are the fundamental decisions that I have a hard time getting away from, even beyond the cap, the draft capital. Like I have a harder time thinking about what you were going to accomplish versus what you could evaluate before this season comes, it, you know, comes to an end. And, and maybe that's going to end up, we'll end up seeing, right? All these guys are going to be gone in one form or another. And so it's all relative to how you want to finish out the year. But I would have preferred, even though you, you and I agree competing, trying to make the playoffs matters. It does get a little bit muddied here when we now look, and you'll run down the list of where the Nets stand with their draft capital. They have a lot of it. It's just that the most of that value is further down the road. And there's a specific year you can look at here and think they could have refilled the draft coffers around 2024 where that Houston gap gets created. Yeah, and just like real quick, like that was the that was the name I was alluding to earlier without saying yes. it was Curry. I was like, if yeah. it like if this and he's not mentioned in this article, but even at the time where you're like, hey, for anything, anything like a second round pick it doesn't matter. Like I get that he's a he's a veteran, but like he just doesn't even at the time he didn't fit the timeline. And, and, and just and just to mention this again, like our whole thing with cheering for the Nets down the stretch was because of the nature of this of this thing. We would have had no problem, no problem if this had been. If it had been trade deadline unload season, yep. uh, like w- that, that is a very easy story to tell yourself. Like where where the Nets are, three first round draft picks and a chance at some spike in a lottery ball. Like there's 
oh, we're over there because like because when you look at their when you look at their future stuff right here, it's like they have the two this year. They're kind of their late rounders. Uh, they got a second in 23 because it goes to Houston. They got nothing in 2024. Um, and then 2026 is uh, they have their own second 2027. Um, they get Philly and Phoenix coming in. So like in 25, did you get Phoenix's first Miami second? And then Houston has the right to swap. Yeah, there sorry. Uh, sorry. Yeah. 25. They swap, they swap, they swap Houston's first. Right. But, and that's, you know, that's going to be what it is. They just have to get these picks back. Like that, they, you know, they're like, they just have to get picks back. Like there's, it's impossible to build teams really like these days without some picks, like you can do it. It's just hard. And, and again, just to go back to the top and we, maybe we can close out on this because we're talking about Dame tomorrow too. And this wraps into the Dame conversation, by the way, but you will never regret a team like this. You will never regret trading some of these guys for first round picks. Like it mm-hmm. can't go bad. It can't go bad. They're not winning the championship. They don't need these guys. Like they're, they're and they're not signing a championship level guy in the off season. Right. And like, right. Uh, right. And that, there's, there's a both. And that goes on here. Now we'll, we'll discuss that the potential scenario and the factors that roll into it. And even in that iteration of going after someone, the more draft capital you have, the better. The last thing that I'll mention, cause I just wanted to, to put this into the mix here. When we talk about, I will try to fill back in the 2024, which matters to how you want to build out around Mikhail Bridges, having capital in the short term, right? They filled out a lot of the long-term capital, but now how do you make sure you can get better? I did, there was a couple of ones that I just pulled here, and I'll do these quickly. 2022, OKC in New York made the trade for Deang. That was the 11th overall pick for three lottery-protected first-round picks. So you can package up some picks that you currently have and move up the board. OKC in Houston for uh, Sangoon, 16th overall pick. Two first-round picks went back the other way in that trade. Sacramento-Memphis, back into the first round, into the into the second. Uh, that's Woodard and Tillman with a second-round pick. I'm bringing these up to say that while you should have done it, and while their value may go down a little bit this offseason, if you do move these guys for picks, even on a draft day trade, there are worlds where the Nets can get from 25 maybe up to 15 or 16. They can target players they like and still make these moves. So, oh, by the way, here's just a really funny one for everyone to for everyone to enjoy. Um, so there are ways that we can reevaluate Sean Marks. This is always going to look bad at that moment, but maybe it will look better. But do you remember, Doug, that Luca went to Dallas from Atlanta for Atlanta to oh, get I, Trey Young? Everyone knows that, yeah. Trey in a first. I'm just saying, in the old, in the yeah, old, yeah. it could always be worse. You could have been Atlanta saying, "No, we want Trey Young, and we'll give you a first round pick to get Luca." So you know, things. Yeah, really well, I mean, that was the same thing with Tatum and Fultz. I did the same thing. Like they traded, yep. like they swapped the they swapped the Tatum and Fultz piece, and that like those two ones, like those are the ones that look like all time bad. Um, the uh, you know, it's not always great to move up into the obvious spot or whatever, or like Atlanta move out of the obvious spot for the worst player. Okay. We're going to get out of here. Um, make sure you are subscribed over on YouTube at locked on nets. Like I said, we'll be back here tomorrow talking uh, more Dame Lillard, but make sure, or some Dame Lillard, but make sure that you subscribe over to locked on nets on YouTube. Prepare the ship for ludicrous speed, fasten all seatbelts, set all entrances and exits, close the shops and malls, cancel the three ring circus, secure all animals in the zoo. Colonel Sanders. Uh, One of the all-time great poets. We'll be back again tomorrow talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball.